Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to The Favorites. I am Blackjack Fletcher. Chad is out today. He's out playing with himself on the West Coast this week. But we have a special baseball-themed show for you. And since Chad and Georgina aren't here, I needed to find someone with enough energy, charisma, and gusto to carry us through. And I think I found just the man. He is the long ball Lothario, four-time Major League All-Star, Paul LaDuca. Pauly, how are we doing? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. I had my eggs, bacon, a little bit of avocado toast. Ooh. It's a new thing out here in California, Blackjack. Avocado toast. Yeah. Now, Paulie, sometimes when we've done shows together, things go a little off the rails. Oh, they're going off the rails. I want you to know that there is a ground rule for this show. Okay. And that's that there are no rules. I want you locked and loaded, ready to go. I'm ready. I, I'm I'm just coming off the Machado signing. I mean, I couldn't be more excited. All right. So today we're going to take a look at some of the over-under win totals for Major League Baseball teams. We're going to pick them in the order that we feel most confident, Paulie. There's been a lot of moves this offseason. There's still a lot left to come. But as you are the man who actually played Major League Baseball, I'll allow you to go first. Which team are you looking at off the top here? Well, he- you know, I think a lot of people are worried, first of all, about Chris Sale's left shoulder. And, you know, the line that Vegas set on the Red Sox is 95 and a half. I found that very, very low. I haven't seen much movement at all in the AL East. Um, they lost Joe Kelly. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, Joe Kelly was found gold in the playoffs and in, 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 in right. the World Series because, you know, he was always a crapshoot and sort of a mess. He could walk the yard at any time. Granted, he's got a phenomenal arm, and he it's, it was a good pickup for the Dodgers to get a, a reliever, something that, that uh, they sorely needed to get to Jansen. But, you know, Kimbrell's still out there, um, and towards the end of the year, he was getting a little shaky blackjack. But I, I read all these articles of people saying, well, there's going to be a letdown from Mookie Betts, and there's going to be a letdown from J.D. Martinez. Do people forget that Mookie Betts got hurt? And J.D. Martinez basically took a stranglehold of the MVP. Mm-hmm. And then Mookie Betts came off the DL and just took the MVP back from him. Yeah. And they just steamrolled. So, you know, 108 wins, I get it. They will probably falter a little bit less than 108 games. Right, but that's a steep and drop off to 95 that's and a half. Ste- I mean, 95 and a half. And I get it. I get it. There's worries about Chris Sale's shoulder. 
There's worries that he might not be the same. But I still think they have enough ammunition um, um, with Evaldi. I think a lot of people are over or selling that. Oh, Evaldi threw all these innings um, in in the playoffs. Well, you know what? Evaldi this, looked I, great. Yeah, but here's my deal. Like, people are always worried about pitch count, man. Didn't no one let Ryan, like, take two Tylenol or two Advil? And he went out there and pitched every day. You, you bring up pitch counts, and that's interesting. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the addition of the pitch clock that we're going to see this oh, season. What, what are your thoughts on the pitch clock here? 20 seconds to throw a pitch. How's right, that going to affect got, players, and what do you think? For you. I got 20 seconds for you. How about 20 seconds for the umpires to start doing calisthenics and some maybe some sit-ups so they can get a freaking call right so that maybe those 20 seconds wouldn't have to go to replay every other minute? They're worried always about speed of play. When I came into the league, commercial time was 1.45. Now it's 2.30. Okay, there's 45 seconds right there you've stolen. For what? For money in your pocket. Now you're going to talk, start talking about uh, that the hitters needed to be into the, uh, the box. That's not going to happen. Now there's a, there, there's a 20, uh, uh, whatever, second clock. On 20 pitch. seconds. I mean, I mean, stop. You can't fucking take out the second baseman. You can't run over the catcher. You want a DH in this. It's the oldest, longest game. And the best part about the game, there's no fucking clock. Stop. All right. Bob Manfred is ruining him and Bud Selig together have basically just, I mean, the game is, is being neutered. One zillion percent. I, have, I, I can't remember last year how many times I saw a guy bunt or move a guy over, give himself up for another teammate. The game is, you know, Earl Weaver. It's basically Earl. They should just call it Earl Weaver baseball. Let's sit around and wait for the three-run homer. That's all it is. Wow. All right. So on the Red Sox, let's get back to them for a second. You mentioned people talking about bets. But, yeah, I think people forget how young that core is with Betts and Benintendi. I mean, Bogarts, they're, they're so young. I, those guys could actually still be improving, right? Of course. And, and the other part about it is, is they stole Stephen Pierce. And I think Steve got sort of labeled as a guy that could hit lefties. And Alex Cora said, you know what, let's try him against righties. And the guy can just flat out hit. Um, you're right. They are young. They're very young. Um, in the core of the team, and everybody keeps putting all this, I guess, uh, all the chips in the table onto Chris Sale's shoulder. Okay, I get it. He is a dominating, dominating pitcher, but his career is not all over. If if there was something wrong with his shoulder, I guarantee you it would have been looked at, um, and and something would have been done. And he'd not be throwing right now. There'd be issues right now going into spring training. He might not be the same Chris Sale, but let's also say like Clayton Kershaw is not the same Clayton Kershaw, and the Dodgers are still going to win ball games. All right, Paulie. So you're going over on the Red Sox at 95 and a half. They're minus 115 on both sides of that bet. For my first one, I'm going to take a look at. I feel really good about this one, and I'm curious to get your take on it. It's the Washington Nationals. Their over-under is 87 and a half, and I think this is an absolute over. The Nationals, and I'm, I want to put a caveat on this. We're sitting here on Thursday morning at 1130. Bryce Harper is still a free agent. I'm making this assuming he is not coming back to D.C., even though I think it is a possibility. I'm going to assume he's not in their lineup this year. They've gone out and they've added Patrick Corbin. 
They add Anibal Sanchez. They lose only really Tanner Rourke, which isn't a, a big loss. They replace Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Rourke with Corbin and Sanchez. I think that's absolutely an upgrade. Um, the catching position, they add Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. They also have a very young lineup, especially in the outfield, even without Harper. I think the Nationals, now with that rotation, led by Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, the Nationals might be the class of the National League East, and nobody's talking about them. Hmm. Now, I actually don't hate this pick. Plus, I think I they might have the most dynamic young players in Juan Soto. I mean, he's got right. explosion in his bat. And, 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 and Brian Dozier, like... I think a lot of people forget they picked him up. And yep. when he came over to the Dodgers midway through the season, it's tough to come to a team midway through the season. When you start with a team, you just have that comfortability. And he had a tremendous year for the Twins a couple of years ago. So, um, And I, I tell you what, I wouldn't leave Harper out of that, yeah. him not coming back. And the reason why is a lot of people keep forgetting that the learners are the richest team uh, richest owners in baseball, and maybe Mr. Boris is going. I need more than that three hundred thousand from my client, or three hundred million from my client now. And and the Nationals might be able to pony up maybe three hundred fifteen million, three hundred thirty million for Bryce. Um, I don't hate this pick. I love their pickups. You get, and I like Suzuki. And let me be a homer as being a catcher, but you know, you get a veteran guy that's been in the league and now can handle that staff and. And I know that everything has sort of been squished together because the Braves have gotten better, the the, the Phillies have gotten better, and everybody's projecting the Mets will be a lot better with, with more of a veteran core this year, that they'll be, be more of a 500-type team, so they think the NL East will tighten up. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is the chance to, that they're sort of getting undersold a little bit because the Nationals have been around 90 or over 90, what, the last three, four years, Blackjack? Yeah, and, and I think you're you're right. The NL East may wind up being the most competitive division in baseball because there are four teams in that division that it would not shock me if they won. I mean, it wouldn't stun me if the Mets, Phillies, Nationals, or Braves won that division. Our producer, Matt Heavy, no. is smiling right now. Um, I think you're <laughs> doubting what I'm saying about the Mets, right? Well, here's my thing about the Mets is like – it's always fool's gold, you know. It was always winner. The the five superstars gonna be together, um, pitching on the same pitching staff. What well, was never gonna happen because all five guys had all five had all major injuries before they were even together. And Jacob Degrom has obviously risen to the top. Um, the first half of the season is gonna be very very big for them. Uh, while what we're the- while we're talking a little bit about the Mets here, just quickly, what the hell are the Mets doing with Degrom? I mean, they don't seem to be willing to extend him, but they also don't really seem to want to trade him. I mean, are they just going to let him walk for nothing? Like, wh- uh, what are they doing? It's six letters for you: W I L P O N. All right, Paulie Spelling, you nailed that one, buddy. That's right. I mean, they just—I've said this for years, and about maybe like six years ago, I got crushed in the media, maybe longer. When I said they should have traded David Wright. He's one of my best friends. And they I, I got lambasted in the press. And the reason why I said it was is that you went out after Shea and you built a field bigger than Shea. And your two best players going into City Field were going to be, you know, it was David Wright. He's your, your franchise guy and Reyes. And you built a pitcher stadium. Now, the Mets have done it 
so completely wrong. They drafted pitching and went out and tried to get hitting. Who's going to go out and want to go hit in that ballpark? Where they should have done it the other way around. If you're going to build a ballpark that big, draft hitting, and pitching will come in free agency because pitchers want their ERA to be low. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been asked backwards for years, and they're, they're, they're fine settling, being on the back page. We Even in 2006, when we were better than the, than the Yankees, we were on the back page. That's just the bottom line. The Yankees are on the front page. The Mets are on the back page. And that's exactly what's going to happen this year. Now they got a GM that God knows what's going on. He's now putting up uh, um, <laughs> inspirational signs. posters. Yes. If let me let me tell you something. If you need those fucking inspirational posters to get to the big leagues, you need problems. You need to go home. And by the way, to dominate, you need all those other things. You need to win a game first to dominate. <laughs> all right, Paul Leduc, not a fan of inspirational quotes. Come on, if you really need inspirational culture for high schools and grade schools. We'll have more show in a minute, but first I want to tell you about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon's mission is simple, to make sure all of your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. And frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you have on right now. Mac Weldon believes in a smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means you will smell good underneath your clothes. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you keep it and they'll still send you a refund. No questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. You can wear them working out, going to work, going on a date, or just in everyday life. I hopped on the site myself, and in a few minutes, got myself some of that silver line underwear so my junk stays fresh all day. I look forward to wearing them throughout the winter and into the hot, sweaty summer. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code ACTION at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code ACTION. What's the next total you're interested in, Polly? I'm interested... In the Manny Machado, everybody's going to go with maybe the Padres now, the overreaction. What's the matter with the Colorado Rockies? I know you like this. I, I do. know you love this. I do. I mean, um, two years in a row, now they have made the playoffs. And, um, and Bud Black, I think a lot of people are forgetting how good of a job Bud Black has really done there. Bud Black's um, the last guy to have the Padres do anything when he managed them. No, that's true. And and I know that they lose a couple guys here and there, but they got some young guys that are up on the horizon. You know, it, it was a shame for me that that they didn't get to see or we haven't got to see Kyle Freeland pitch in the playoffs because I think a lot of people are going to see a, a young lefty or haven't seen a young lefty that is very, very good. And he's got better splits at Coors Field, or at least he did last year, um, than he did on the road, you know, Garrett Hampson is is a guy who's a an, an infielder was in the minor leagues that can steal close to forty bases that they're looking forward to. Nolan Arenado is in his contract mm-hmm. year. Um, listen, to me, he's the best third baseman in baseball, if not the best defensive uh, uh, third baseman or all around. And he's going to be coveted by the Yankees. I mean, I, I would think yeah. 
he's going to be in pinstripes next year. The Rockies need to make a move this year. Um, and they're clearly the second-best team, especially with the Diamondbacks. Well, that's the thing. Everybody. I mean, you're yeah. right. I do love this, and the over is juiced to minus 150 as a result of it. The over-under is 82.5. Somebody other than the Dodgers has to win games in that division. The Giants stink. The Diamondbacks stink. The Padres maybe a little better than we thought, but, I mean, what's the ceiling for the Padres? 500 if, the, if everything goes right? I mean, somebody's got to win games there. And you mentioned Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland's the best pitcher we've seen in Coors Field. I mean, when he pitched last year, he was an automatic bet for me in the first five innings. I mean, that guy was unbelievably consistent. They add Daniel Murphy, who, if he stays healthy, should hit really well in Coors Field. As you mentioned, they've got Story. They've got Arenado. I mean, 82.5 just seems so low for this team. This was one of the first ones that jumped out to me. I'm with you. And, and the other part about it is you made a great point with Daniel Murphy. If he can somehow stay healthy, I think a lot of people forget how good of a player or how good of a hitter he really is. And he can just add another left-handed bat. And you make a great point about the Padres. It, 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 one of the better tweets that I saw yesterday was after uh, Rosenthal, whoever, put out that he had signed for $300 million. Somebody put, now they're only five starting pitchers away from yeah, winning I mean, some ballgames. And, it, and, it, and it's true. Uh, Lucchese and is really it. And, and Joey's like, I mean, he's probably a four and a five or might not even be in a starting pitching staff on some other team. So, wow. I mean, I mean, he's, he's a good pitcher. I'm sorry. Let's, he'd be, be four or five somewhere else. So, they still got a well, long let's... ways to go. But my thing that I love about the Padres picking up Machado is that they finally got somebody there that other players are saying, "Hey, Machado signed there." Yeah, we got we got an, we got an attraction. Yeah, puts them on the map. It gives them it gives them somewhat of an attraction, and it gives them um, a lot more leeway in the next couple off seasons to go get some guys to go. Hey. Well, Paul, you're, me. you're, a, you're a media veteran. That was a great segue. Let's talk about the Padres. <laughs> Their total, 79 and a half. Uh, over under is 115, minus 115 on each side. There's still a lot that could happen with the Padres. There are still some people, John Heyman said yesterday, that they're not necessarily out on Bryce Harper. Uh, there's talk about Dallas Keuchel. There's talk that they may try to package some of those prospects of which they have a ton of highly rated prospects to Cleveland for Corey Kluber. But right now, this team, as presently composed, it's 79 and a half. Do you think they're over or under that total? I think it's a complete stay away right now, and I'll tell you why. You and I, before we started this, were wondering, why are, if you are Manny Machado, why would you sign with the San Diego Padres? The sell job had to be amazing. It really had to be. There's $40 million loss in California state tax. Yes, $40 million. Stop with the people who says he lives in Miami or he lives in Texas. He's going to play over 115 games in California. Yeah, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Angels and the Athletics play in case there's interleague games. He gets taxed in those states. When he lives in the offseason, that's the right other stuff off. So $40 million is going to go to the state of California. Now, I know he's not worried about that. That's not even including federal. So is the sell job blackjack? Hey, Manny, come on. Make this sign. Let's make a point. Now we can go after Riamalto. Now we can maybe give Bryce a little bit of a nibble. Now we can start 
going after these guys. And we promise you that we're going to go get this guy. And we promise you we're going to go get that guy. This is what I'm worried about, that the Padres made this move and there's still so many guys out there. Are they done yet? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's 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 only a matter of money, which I know sounds trivial to to some degree, but they've got 10 of the top 100 prospects in baseball in their farm system. They've got an ownership group that obviously is willing to spend money. They just dropped $300 million on Manny Machado, a guy who described himself during the World Series as, quote, not Johnny Hustle. Um, I mean, they're, they're obviously willing to spend. Uh, where, where do you see them? Do you think they're going to make another move this offseason? I do. I do. I think what do you they, think they, it is? I, maybe just, they got to go for a pitcher. Maybe a... Keichel? Yeah, maybe a frontline pitcher. And I think a, a, a good guy would be Keuchel. A, actually, a great guy for that ballpark. Yeah. He, he's a contact type guy, um, not a strikeout pitcher, even though he does strike out, I think, one an inning or a little bit less. But that that used to be good, but now you got to strike out like two an inning. But he would be a perfect fit um, um, for them. And, and then that brings a frontline guy and then – Maybe a back end guy that has has some experience. I don't. I do not think they're done yet. I just don't think that Manny could have signed there. Because here's the thing: like when you sign in places like San Diego or you sign in places like Seattle, sometimes you sign your death warrant. Adrian Beltre almost mm-hmm. signed his death warrant in, in Seattle, um, and then came back to Texas and re- resurrected his career. Manny Machado could sign his death warrant. A lot of people forget how old is he? Twenty six, twenty seven. Twenty six. Young kids. Still a young kid. So after these five years, he realistically could probably hit 270 and only hit 25 and 80 or 90 in that ballpark. Now, if he would have signed with the Phillies, he'd be a, he'd if he stays it. healthy, he'd be a mortal lock to hit 340 and 100. And then after that five years, he'd be signing another huge contract for five years. He could be signing his death warrant in San Diego. Wow. Interesting take there. Uh, we're about halfway through these totals, Paulie. I want to just stop for a second and get your take. You played uh, 11 years, I think, in the majors, right? Yeah, uh, 10. 10 years. Uh, I, I was counting that national season there. Um, <laughs> we've talked about a lot of cities here, Colorado, San Diego, Boston, D.C. What was your favorite city to play in on the road? Ooh, well, my favorite ballpark, what would surprise a lot of people, I say this too, um, PNC. Uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. It just had that old school feel. Mm-hmm. You had the Allegheny River behind right field, the bridge right there. Um, you could walk to everything. Um, Heinz Field is walking distance across the parking lot. Um, and there's bars, restaurants, and you could walk to the hotel. I just, I just love the old old time feel. They just come out of the, out of the clubhouse, and you used to have mm-hmm. the fans there, and the fans would follow you, and you'd sign autographs, and they'd follow you into a bar <laughs> and stuff like that, and it was. It's a really cool place to play. So, how, um, how were the ladies in Pittsburgh? They're a little rough. When you're drinking Rolling Rock your whole life, it's tough. <laughs> All right. So the <laughs> I'm flip, sorry. I'm so sorry for the ladies. In the Pittsburgh. flip side to that question is, which city did you not like going to? Which city just stunk? Who? It's hard to say a, a city stinks when you're playing in the big leagues, but um, hmm, I'd have to go with Milwaukee. Yeah, you didn't like Milwaukee, huh? A lot of pale people in Milwaukee. Pale people? Yeah. Sun doesn't come out that much in Milwaukee. Well, I mean, for, for golden gods like ourselves, that's, that's a difficult sell. 
That's true, but you you would love Milwaukee. There's a lot of hops, you know, and and barley in Milwaukee, and a lot of pale people. Paul, you know I'm not really a beer guy. I'm drinking Jim Beam right now while we're talking. Well, yeah, you're a Jim Beam and Jewel. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so um, let's get back on track a little bit here. Let's take a look at the Yankees. <laughs> the Yankees over under 95 and a half here. Um, same total as the Red Sox, ironically. Juiced a little bit to the over at minus 125, the under minus 105. I'm going to go over with the Yankees, Paulie. I mean, there's nothing that they've done not to like. They had a good team last year, obviously. I mean, they were a 100-win team. They add James Paxton. They re-sign J.A. Happ and C.C. Sabathia. They really lose nothing off the major league roster. They're going to have to replace D.D. Gregorius while he recovers from Tommy John. But other than that, I mean, and they add Tulowitzki, who, if he's healthy, I mean, could be a decent stand-in. I, I don't see anything the Yankees have done for a serious drop-off here. And you didn't get a great year out of Giancarlo Stanton last year. So maybe he comes back with a little bit more this season. Uh, what do you think about the Yankees, 95 and a half? Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Let's be honest, too, here. Uh, Vegas set the... The Orioles at fifty nine. I, right. I mean, blackjack. The worst gambling. team in baseball, right? Yeah, you've been gambling for a long time. I mean, I, I, and so have I. I can't remember the last time Vegas projected a team to lose a hundred games. They they didn't even last year when the Marlins fired Billy the Marlin. I mean, they they they, they dumped everybody. <laughs> Billy yeah. the Marlin, they, and they still were better than the Orioles. And and they still Vegas put them at sixty four and a half blackjack, and yeah. they put the Orioles at fifty nine. So. That's such a dead team. That's you know, and like you said, you play each other nineteen times. We were talking about that earlier. I mean, they're probably going to go fifteen and, and four at least against them. And you know, DJ Lemayhu is is a big pickup because he is very versatile. Mm. He can move Torres around. Um, I thought he was the one loss for the Rockies, but right. they had to do something. And you're right. Listen, is there anything left um, in Troy to Lewinsky? I mean, I. When I tried to make my comeback in 2010 with the Rockies before I blew out, I mean, I got to see him in his prime, but he just always couldn't stay healthy. But I just saw the glimpses of his brilliance, and he can be just so dominant at, so, at, at certain times, and hopefully he could stay healthy for the Yankees. But with Paxson and, and, and LeMayu and the moves that they made to just – the LeMayu move I thought was so big just to keep Gregorius – to keep that like a band-aid on that and you make a great point with Stan. I think Stan was just overwhelmed at the beginning of that season. He was an out for the first 3 weeks of the season. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean first 3 weeks, yep. first maybe 3 bad. months. And I think he'll make the adjustment and again like I think both of these teams can win 100 games. I really do. The the, the Boston and New York, I don't see anything really changing in that division. I'm with you, Paulie. I think these are the class of the AL East. I don't think Toronto is going to be anything good. I don't think Baltimore is going to be historically bad again. Tampa is going to be good, but, I mean, even so, these teams are still better than Tampa, so they still should should fare pretty well against them. Um, you've got an interesting take on the LA Angels. Their over-under is 83.5, juiced a little bit to the over at minus 125. What do you think about the Angels? Well, I think it's a sneaky... A, a team, you know, obviously they lose Sosha and now they get Brad Osmus as their manager, um, who 
you know, a lot of people thought was going to be a very good manager, and he did not have a good first time around. When you considering he he had some boys on that team with Verlander and Miguel mm-hmm. Cabrera in Detroit and could not win. So I'm a little worried about that. But I do think Trevor Cahill um, and Matt Harvey are sneaky pickups. I, you know, Matt pitched pretty well after he left New York um, for Cincinnati. I'm better than I thought he would. And, you know, here's a guy that lost a rib. I think a lot of people forget about that. He lost um, a rib? Yeah, they had to take out a rib. Um, and he, that's, like that's I said, he, he not pitched for a little sexual better. reasons, right? No, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, and he wasn't a malcontent in Cincinnati. I, I really feel, feel that he just wanted so out of New York that he sabotaged that whole situation. And that he it's just over it's it's just over with and he's back to pitching. So um those two guys to me I, I thought were big pickups. You know, uh, Griffin Canning's a young guy at UCLA that is a stud that went from A ball to triple A last year. They shut him down because he had so many innings at UCLA. He's gonna be in that rotation this year. Um I think he's another guy in in guys Young arms like that can be sneaky young arms that, that the league hasn't seen. Um, and I think that the under and over on this team is good enough uh, that it's playable. Otani's going to be out for a while, but, you know, it was more of a hype and I think than anything else. And, and maybe that will put pitching aside and maybe he can come back and, and be more of a DH than, than worry about his pitching as of right now. All right, so you do like the over on the Angels, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. All right, so uh, let's wrap up, Paulie, with uh, one more we've got here. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the over-under on that one, 77.5, over plus 110, under minus 140. What do you think is going to happen with the Diamondbacks after they move on from Paul Goldschmidt? Well, they move on from a lot of guys, yeah. Corbin, Pollock. I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, were they not, like – Let's say like a hundred and some odd games in the season last year in front in the NL West. I mean, it was it looked like the Dodgers were collapsing. Then Justin Turner came back, um, solidified that lineup, and then obviously the Dodgers took off. And then mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like a dump fest. Now I get it they they are projecting, and I hate when teams project. We got this guy, we got this guy, we got that guy. When they've never had a net bat in the big leagues, that worries me. Pitching is different than hitting. But when you keep on trading guys like Goldschmidt, I know you have to move on from some of these guys. And Pollock, guys that that can swing the bat. I understand when you get rid of guys like Corbin because pitching can be replaced. Hitting sometimes cannot be projected and, and replaced. And I know their minor league system is supposedly stacked, and they're going to bring all these guys up, but... Under 77 and a half. 77 and a half is almost 500. Mm-hmm. And you do have a weak division, but now you add Machado, mm-hmm. okay, to the division. And you're certainly going to add a couple more pieces to that San Diego piece. And I'm sure now Bruce Bochy's last season in San Francisco might energize them a tiny bit. Well, and they're still not out on Bryce Harper either in San Francisco. It, exactly. There's still a lot to be done. I just, you know, just don't see it. I do not see it. I think the Diamondbacks. This is the year. Yeah, yeah, this is the year they bottom out. I'm with you. I like that one as well. Um, Let's do one more. Let's get crazy. Stick in the NL West, the LA Dodgers, over under 94 and a half, 
minus 115 on both sides. They add Joe Kelly, you mentioned before, to their bullpen. They add A.J. Pollock to the outfield. They also take on Homer Bailey. Um, they lose don't, Yasiel don't Puig, that. Matt Kemp, Alex Wood. What do you think about what the Dodgers have done? I actually like what they've done. Really? Um, get, yeah, I getting rid of Wood. I think Wood was one of those type of guys that um, is a second, third, fourth time um, around the lineup type of guy. Mm-hmm. And second time around yep. the league, the league started getting to him. Uh, I don't get the Puig thing, considering he was the only guy right-handed hitter that actually yeah. stepped up in the playoffs and hit. Um Maybe there's more to do with that. It felt that. like they were just tired of him, honestly. It, it kind of felt, well, it's felt that way for like a year and a half, two years. Well, let's, let's be honest. Lon Rosen in the front office mishandled Yasiel Puig from the day he was in. How so? Well, here's the deal. Let me ask you a quick question. If you sign a contract and you're from another world and you don't speak in the language, how do you not have press conferences that are the questions are already out there for him for him to know he got bombarded from the beginning when he got here to LA and his press conferences turning into him blowing up his teammates when he didn't even realize what he was saying um I remember one press conference him and Matt Kemp got into him when Matt Kemp was a Dodger before and Yasiel didn't even understand the question and I kept telling myself why are they not scripting these press conferences for him? When I played, I played with Hideo Nomo, who did not know a lick of English. And he had his interpreter, and he had them script out the questions for him so he would know what to say and not get bombarded. Hmm. People don't understand, after the game, when you strike out with the bases loaded, they don't care. 30 minutes after the game, when there were 45 minutes after the game, when they opened up, those doors there's 50 people in your locker now put 50 people in Yasio Puig's locker and he does not understand one word they're saying and that's why he became a malcontent and that's why the Dodgers from day one mishandled him and when somebody gives him a mentor and that's the other part they should have signed an older Latin player or an older Cuban player or a mentor for him to to teach him how to handle things, teach him how to get to the ballpark on time, teach him a lot of different things. When somebody does handle that, his potential is beyond, and he's going to explode. And the Dodgers are going to regret everything they did with Yasiel Puig. But now you mentioned they did it right with Nomo. So, well, they did it right with Nomo because Nomo was smarter and beyond his age. You know, Nomo was very, very polished. Um, You're a big fan when, of Hideo Nomo's, right? Yeah, because. He played the media the right way. Towards, towards the end of his career, he knew English very well, but he still told the media that he did not know English. Oh, sneaky. Do you yes. have any good Hideo Nomo stories? Oh, one of the best stories ever was that Hideo Nomo was a legendary beer drinker, but he only drank beer one day a week. One to two days a week. Okay. He, had a, he had a ritual, and his ritual would be he would pitch get hammered, then he would drink the next day after, and then that day after he would stop, he would do his workout, workout, then have a big steak dinner before he would pitch, the night before he would pitch, and he would repeat. What's the most beers you've ever seen Hideo Nomo drink? Well, the story is, and anybody that hears this podcast, 
needs to reach out to Paul Shuey. Okay, ex pitcher Paul Shuey, if anybody knows, because he has this tape. Tape. There's tape. It's tape. It was a videotape. This is a long time ago. I'm dating myself. We were on a trip from L.A. to Philadelphia, and he challenged our trainer to a beer drinking contest. And by about the 18th beer, the trainer was passed out. Okay. And Nomo was keeping going. Was was keep on trucking. He was going. And he kept calling him a wimp and a pussy. And after about the 34th or 35th beer that Nomo stacked up into a pyramid that we have a picture of, he walked off that plane. I still can't believe he walked off that plane. Okay. Now, we land in Philadelphia, and we have a day off the next day. And he was very good friends with Iron Chef. And we're supposed to go to, you know, lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So... I remember getting off the bus, getting off the plane, getting off the onto the bus, and then off the bus after having 36 beers. Meanwhile, our trainer is catatonic. Like, he's literally <laughs> gone. Nomo walks to his room. We're carrying our trainer to his room. And at 8.30 the next morning, I get a phone call from Nomo. And he's like, Dookie. And I'm like, Nomo? He's like, where are you? We're waiting downstairs for you to go to meet Iron Chef. I just, still to this day, I, I, I remember telling him, like, how in the hell are you up right now? And he was sober as a goat. And I remember putting on my clothes real quick and having a nice little breakfast, lunch with Nomo and, and the Iron Chef. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> that is a true Hideo story. Nomo, not someone I would have expected to be a prolific drinker, but... And my favorite teammate of all time. Favorite teammate of all time, Hideo Nomo. He is. He is. And he owned Barry Bonds. He did. Wow. Listen to that. I know a guy who went two for three with a double off of the only unanimous Hall of Famer of all time. That's right. That's right. Suck it, Mariano. All right. So, Paulie, those are our over-unders. Just before I let you go, I got to ask you a question and point out something I find quite impressive. Uh, you are, I'm looking at the Action Network app, which Chad will spank me if I don't say it's free. Go download it. Um, I'm looking at your record on there lately and your parlays. Four and 13 on your parlays, which some people might think is not good, but you're plus almost 26 units on those parlays. What the hell are you doing over there, man? Well, trying to make some money. I mean, like everybody else, I'm gambling with an I. It's called G-A-M-B-I-L-I-N-G. You've also got almost 50 bets put in already for today. Anything in college basketball jumping out to you in particular? Oh, yes. I got I got one for you. Ooh, let's have it. Robert Morris. No, not your tax consultant, the school. Robert Morris. Okay, they're minus four tonight. Uh, hosting LIU Brooklyn. So you're on Robert Morris minus four. L-O-K-K. (laughs) L-O-K-K. That's Paulie's lock of the day. All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Paulie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the favorites from the Action Network. For Paul LaDuca, I am Blackjack Fletcher. Download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, radio.com slash the Action Network, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We will see you next time.